Welcome to the Joplin and Andrea podcast, where we discuss all things faith, family, and fun. I'm Andrea, here with my co-host and husband, Joplin. Welcome to today's show. Welcome to the show, everyone. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Most of our podcasts, we'll spend about 10 minutes on one topic, 10 minutes on another, and finish off with something really fun. But we want to tackle a really big, very important discussion today, and that is this topic of overcoming discouragement and depression. With the pandemic, um, the hyper uh, hatred that's kind of worked itself into politics, just everything that we've had to deal with this year, we are seeing record numbers of people that are discouraged. Uh, battling depression that just don't know, you know, what tomorrow is going to hold. They're nervous about the future. And um, man, when you find yourself stuck, you're like stuck and you don't know how to get out. It is a scary place to be. And we want to take some time and really talk about battling depression. How do you overcome? How do you win the battle? And so uh, I'm excited about this podcast. It's probably going to end up turning into uh, two or three consecutive podcasts if this conversation runs long. But full disclosure, I actually have battled depression for a significant chunk of my life. Now, it's been quite some time since it's had a hold on me like it did in the first decade of our marriage. But um, I can talk about this uh, from a very personal point of view. Yes. And then also just doing what I do as a pastor and a counselor. Obviously, uh, this is something else that I've just um, unfortunately had to hear a lot of. And and, and it's, it's surprising the number of people that battle with depression. So uh, our hope is that we can encourage you before we're done with our talk. Yeah. And encourage you. So, let, yeah. Let you know that you're not alone. And Amen. Um, that's a big help, too. So most of our listeners probably didn't know that you've had an experience with depression for a couple years. And so let's get started. Um, how old were you when the depression kind of started sinking in? Well, truthfully, I didn't know that I was depressed. And um, I think that's the truth for a lot of people that have never really talked to doctors and um and experiencing a lot of the symptoms of depression, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I very first became aware of it, I would say I was about 22 or 23 years old. And um, all of a sudden, it was like the things that really mattered to me didn't matter anymore. I was really, um, I just was not happy didn't matter what was going on didn't it just seemed like everything became a huge burden for me small things that i couldn't explain would seem like an absolute monumental task you know you might ask me to mow the yard or cut a piece of wood you know i was actually in construction at the time and and i remember a specific thing that you needed me to do to take this 4 by 8 sheet of plywood and cut it in half it took me like a week to do it. Yeah. And literally, once I did it, it took about five minutes. But it just felt like I just wanted to run away. And I, and I, I didn't know why. And I had an event happen one day at work. I don't want to get into all the details. But 
I was on the way home and it just kind of dawned on me like, man, something's wrong, dude. This is not who you are. And I went and I talked to our doctor and um, great doctor. He wasn't quick to say, oh, you're depressed. You know, you need medicine. But he listened to me and said, listen, I, I really do believe that you're battling depression. And so I, I was early 20s when I very first came to grips with this is something that is giving me issues. Yeah. Yeah, I remember um, it being just, if you're the person in the other seat, um, you you don't understand it either. And I remember there being um, a very big period of time where I wasn't even sure what was going on. As far as I knew, everything was okay. Um, but just kind of quit talking and recluse to yourself. And it did seem like um, anything that was being asked was just this giant task, even if it was something very minimal. And so I remember there being a point where I would just quit asking and try to do it myself, um, but not really even knowing what to do, kind of feeling helpless, feeling like, you know, yeah. as the spouse, I'm not even sure what's going on. And so it yeah. was different. It was it was very different. And, and, and for me, I didn't know what was going on either. Mm-hmm. I couldn't explain it. I mean, I'm married, got a great wife. At this point in time, we've got a um, couple kids. of kids yeah. and I've got a job and we're going to church and I'm serving in ministry. And it was like, I couldn't explain it. I just knew I was really dissatisfied. Um, the right word is deflated. It's like, I felt like I had no energy to be positive. I had no you know, unction inside of me to want to go and I could and I was mad at me I was frustrated at myself but I couldn't figure it out yeah so um yeah so this it started you know early 20s and the um it really continued through a significant period of time I would say about another six years and what I would notice is that I would have times where it would peak yeah. And then it would go back down and then it would peak and then it would go back down. And there really was no rhyme or reason for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like during these seasons of life, it peaked. It just, I can't explain it. I really can't. I just know that it, it was um, it was really difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I remember during that time that, you know, the doctor had suggested that you started exercising and that that would help bring up, you know, some of the serotonin levels and some of the natural things that the body yeah. helps to fight. And so I remember that being a positive thing. Um, yeah, to me, so, it was a little different. You'd never really went to the gym faithfully since we had been married. And um, that was something that you right part, started putting into practice. So um, this is going to sound strange to some of our listeners, but you need to understand the, the advice I got from my doctor was a doctor that had known me my whole life. He'd been my doctor since I was a kid. And I grew up in a small town and um, we just, everybody knew everybody. So mm-hmm. when I go in and I talk to my doctor and he, he just listens to me, hears me out. Uh, and see, I've been doing ministry for about two years. And the short story, I told you I don't want to get into all the details of when I knew something was wrong. Um, I got called to do a visitation on a situation where somebody ended up in a hospital, a mental hospital, really for doing something honestly it was really it was silly the Mm -hmm. guy was upset at his girlfriend tried to speed out of a parking lot um got stuck on a curb 
And so he told the cops he was trying to kill himself, and consequently they made him go to this, you know, place temporarily. Mm-hmm. Well, I show up over there, find out what really happened, and I was just mad, and I, I left, and I was so mad, and it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart on the way home and just said, Joplin, that man might not have been trying to kill himself. And he probably, and yeah, he lied to the cops. But anybody that would do that needs help. Mm-hmm. And just because it wasn't as bad as you thought it was doesn't mean this man doesn't need help. And you had, I had no heart to help him. I was mad. I was frustrated. I felt like he wasted my time. And so I actually share that story with my doctor. He hears me out. I mean, I talked for about 15 or 20 minutes, other things I've been dealing with for the last six months. And this is what he told me. He said, um, really, you, you've got a couple of options. One's to go on medicine. And this particular doctor was not a huge fan of, of medicine as an answer for everything. Uh, much more holistic in his approach. And he knew I kind of shared the same sentiments. And he said, or you could quit the ministry. And he knew I wouldn't. You know, he just he just knew. He's, he was from my small town. He knew the story of my miraculous change and... But he was pushing me, and and he said, because it's obvious you can't handle it. And uh, he said, or I guess there would be one third option, and, and that would be to completely change your lifestyle. And yeah. I said, so, you know, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And he said, look, the stress load that you're dealing with, if you think it's tough now, it's only going to get worse. And if it's having this impact on you now... You're going to have to learn how to deal with it better. And I said, so what do we do? Uh, you know, I was 20 years old. I didn't want at that. You know, I'm not an anti-medicine guy. But it, for me, it's like a last resort. It's not a first answer. It's always like a last answer. That's kind of where I stand with um, medicine, especially um, mood-altering medicines. And I wasn't ready at 20 years old to just say, okay, I'm going to be on medicine the rest of my life. And he said, well, here's what you need to do. You're going to need to start working out regularly, exercising three or four times a week, getting that heart rate up uh, at least 30 minutes. And he explained the science behind how that helps. Uh, told me I needed to start eating healthy, um, eating foods and taking vitamin supplements that would naturally help me um, improve my energy levels. And that I needed to get somebody that I could talk with on a regular basis and just kind of pour my heart out to. And I was 20 years old and I took the first two and I ran with it. Yeah. And I did them well. I've, I've been doing it ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people that are close to us, they know that I exercise all the time, but most of them have no idea that the real reason that I do is to maintain an emotional attitude and that it's been very helpful for me personally ever since implementing that. And then also I'm pretty disciplined on, you know, what I'm eating, my vitamins. I take enough vitamins. I look like some, you know, 80-year-old person that's living on supplements. <laughs> he said it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it ha- it's been helpful. Okay. Yes. So I, I started doing that. And it, what I would say is that helped cope. It did not take it away. Yes. But it made it better. And um, time went on, though. And... Things did eventually get a lot worse. And um, for us, we had started a church and answered the call. You know, we were young. I was 
26 when I answered the call and I was 27 when we actually started the church, I believe. Um, maybe. I was 24. So 26 and 24. Yeah. So I was 26, you know, Andrea was 24. Yeah. And so we were very young, answered that call though, uh, started the church. At that point in time, um, I had my own construction company and um, anywhere from 10 to 14 guys building several houses at a time. And on one hand, it was really helpful for the church because I didn't need the income on the front end and was able to work. And, you know, we were able to take 100% of that money that came in and, and use it for the church. Uh, on the other hand, um, I think in a big part of it was it wasn't just a job. I was the owner. Right. And so I had this stress load of like, you know, trying to make sure that you had I had work out in front of us for that way our employees knew they were you know had work to go they were to getting paychecks just managing a company uh you i was never able to clock in and clock out and um it was a good thing but it was overwhelming and it contributed to kind of my mental breakdown the church grew really fast you know we're in a, a year and a half and running 120 yeah. people and um it was just like I couldn't handle it. And I I went into a good year and a half to two years of a pretty dark place. I would say it was the worst point of our marriage extended, uh, you know, because Andrea wanted to help. She really did. And I'm going to get to her in a minute and just kind of let her talk about that perspective. But I'm the type of person that when I get in those zones, I just recluse. I would rather say nothing at all than say something stupid, say something hurtful. I'm not a name caller. I'm not a yeller. But sometimes not even letting her know what's going on, where my mind is at, is just as equally torturous. Mm -hmm. And so I went through, I was just like all of a sudden in this really dark place and, um, dealing with guilt and shame. I remember thinking, what are you doing up there preaching, man? Talking about how God's good. Like I knew God was good. I really did, but I didn't feel it. I mean, I had to absolutely preach on the discipline that I believe the word of God and I know it's true, but I was mad at God. I was, I, I was, I didn't understand like how I could be doing all this and be in a place where I was so just distraught. And um, I just felt so alone at the time. It was it was a difficult man, a difficult time. Andrew and I would you know lay down at night in bed, like you're talking, you know, twelve inches from each other. We had a queen bed and twelve inches apart, but it felt like we were twelve miles apart. It was a very very difficult time. So you as someone. <laughs> I know it rubbed off on you some. I mean, it's very difficult to maintain a good attitude when you're living with somebody that's in that state constantly. But from your perspective, what was that time like and how did you get through it? Um, well, it was it was very difficult and a lot of just the unknowns and continuing to put one step in front of the other, even though we don't understand. Um, I know that we both loved God. I just didn't understand what was going on. And as a wife and you sharing what you shared about the starting of the church and owning your own business and that sort of thing, um, 
I mean, I saw there was a lot of pressure on you. And so during that season, I just learned how to maintain on my own. And I remember there being a lot of times where, um, you know, you would do what you had to do and then you were disengaged and you were ready to not deal with the rest of the world that you didn't have to. And so there was years where the kids and I would just literally go do almost everything by ourselves. We'd go to birthday parties by ourselves. We'd go to events by ourselves. We do all this. And, um, I remember, you know, multiple times people saying, well, where's Joplin? What is he doing? And I was like, I almost just didn't even know what to tell them because you didn't not like them. You didn't not want to be there. Um, but you didn't want to be there. Yeah, I just and had so nothing left in it the just, tank. it, it was just kind of a, um, an odd time. And so, that and was really emotionally like how did you process because you know it's hard you made that statement and it is a true statement i did what i had to mm-hmm. um i couldn't just not show up on a sunday morning and preach everybody was showing up sunday morning for church i had to be there right you know i couldn't let all my employees go without work and uh, so i was constantly having to stay engaged and get the next job and I couldn't let jobs go unsupervised, so I, was, I had to show up, make sure the work was done right. And it was like, once I did what I had to, I was so dead, I just wanted to disappear. And yet, the most important people in my life, that job is done. That season of life is done. Mm-hmm. And yet, I'm still with the same family. And I think a lot of times, it's difficult for the family members. Like, well, how can you possibly come up with enough energy to do this and to do that? But you can't come up with enough energy to go on a walk with us. Mm-hmm. How you know? How did you process that? And was it hurtful? Um, what What was that like? Um, I think a lot of it was just very mixed emotions. I mean, there was a small piece of me that understood to a small degree, but then there was a lot of frustration. There was a lot of, well, why can't you? Why can't you come? You know, or fine, you didn't go to this one. Why can't you come to that one? Um, what am I supposed to tell people? So there was a whole lot of um, mixed emotions. And I think for me, the biggest thing is just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I don't understand. And right now it doesn't matter. It's just kind of a survival mode. And so I think for both of us, we were in survival mode. Yours looked different than mine did, but mine was whatever it needs to happen to just make life keep functioning. And so that's what I would do, um, even if I didn't understand. But it was hard and it was hurtful. Um, It was confusing. It was um, a lot of, I would have to say, probably even numbness. Like I would almost just have to learn how to just shut off a switch to it that it didn't, whatever was happening with you, I couldn't let it alter what was happening with me because life would just stop. Mm -hmm. And so whatever you need to do, if that just means ignore it, just ignore it. And I think that a lot of, um, that was probably how I dealt with it was just learning how to shut the switch off to whatever it was that you weren't able to do or weren't able to hit, you know, help do. And, um, there was frustrating times when I just needed the board cut and I had asked, you know, four days ago and I knew that you were in a bad spot. So I didn't ask every day, but four days later, (laughs) I still need that board cut. Um, and it wasn't really something I could do myself. And so it was, it was a lot, a lot of just emotions and figuring things out as you go through it. One of the things that um, comes to mind there is this line that is repeated but rarely meant on the day two people stand in front of each other and say, I do. And that is a line in sickness and in health. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I've watched, you know, in 20 years of doing what I do now in counseling, I have watched an untold number of women um, leave their husbands, sometimes the other way around, but I've seen an untold number of people leave during those seasons because they weren't getting their needs met. And so they were no longer committed to the relationship. And I watched you stay committed to marriage. And you were committed to me. Mm-hmm. But you had you not been committed to the ideal of God's design for marriage and meant what you said in sickness and health, had you not meant that and really believed in that as long as that went on, because we're, we're talking about a year and a half, two years at this worst point, as long as it went on, um, especially in this culture that's constantly saying, go do what you want, go do what makes you happy, you, most people would have left me when my wife stood by me. And um, I can't tell you how thankful I am for that. And um, I look back at that season and so wish I wouldn't have put you and the kids through it. But thankful for a wife that was committed and believed in God's design for marriage and was like, I don't care how long this takes. I will be strong for this family and for these kids. And you had, you always had this unwavering faith. Eventually, one day, he'll come back around. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there was ever a point when you felt like this it's is the way it's going to be forever. Mm-hmm. Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. And you said, um, you know just talking about God's word, I would have to say that I, during those se- that season of our life, was closer to God than I've ever been in my whole life. Um, and I say that, like, very strongly. And it was, I'm just so thankful that God's word does not waver. And that I just kept going back to his words that just said, I'll work all things for the good. And I'll use this, you know. And um, there was just day after day where God would just speak to me through through something. Or quite honestly, I'd be really upset at the point of tears and just didn't know what to do next. And I'd hit my knees and I would just spend time with God and God would end up working out that situation in my heart, somehow giving me a peace, even though it wasn't fixed. And um, I'm thankful that God is just so faithful and he's been so faithful. He was faithful through it all. And, you know, even I remember through those years that God gave me little desires of my heart, even though they maybe weren't being met this way. Um, he knew what makes me tick, what makes me excited, what brings joy to my life. And he would just insert these little things here that I would know. All right, God's just, you know, he's got this, he's working. He's, he stuck that in my life today because he knew I needed it. And I'm just thankful that through with him, we can make it through all things. And that's the only way that we can make it through. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, how I came out of that period of my life and um, what happened that brought me to really where I am today, because I've had a solid 12 years now of victory over depression. And so I know that it's possible and I've, I've really tasted like the darkest of dark depression. And so, um, let's, let's move, you know, the conversation a little bit. Let's continue advance forward. So unfortunately things continued to get worse for me. I found myself more and more frustrated and upset. I cannot explain the guilt I felt trying to preach to people to Mm -hmm. have faith in God when I'm angry. Um, 
that compounded it, right? I already felt like a terrible person that couldn't, for you know, I'm a bad husband, I'm a bad father, I'm a, just everything about me is bad. That's the way I felt. Um, and like now I'm a fraud of a preacher and I'm trying to tell people that they should trust in God and I don't even know, if, you know, where my trust is. And I, it was such a terrible place. Well, over the course of about, I don't know, I want to say a couple months, I started getting lost in my truck. I've never lived anywhere else but the Wichita, uh, Kansas area. And I would literally wake up from a blackout and be driving in my truck west on, you know, one of the major highways in um, Wichita. And like I would remember being in my truck 15 to 20 miles previously, but have no consciousness of what had happened in the 15 to 20 miles between there and where I woke up. And it was like my brain was so fried, it was trying to shut down. And obviously it scared me. Um, didn't say a lot about it, but it, it scared me. And one day I was in my truck and I had that happen. And I'm on a highway driving about 65 miles an hour. Um, I'm on K96 headed east out, out towards Andover. And I wake up in my truck, like come to consciousness and I'm like, what, where am I going? Why am I in my truck? How did I get here? What am I doing? And it took me about half a mile to remember, which honestly is a pretty long time, uh, to, to, yeah be trying to understand where you're at and not be able to remember. Well, I remember, okay, I have a meeting in Andover. That's where I'm going. I'm supposed to meet with a builder in Andover. And three miles later, I had forgotten again why I was in my truck and what I was doing. And for me, that that was the turning point in Joplin Emerson's life where, and I actually stopped the truck. I turned around and drove straight to the doctor called the guy that I was supposed to meet with and just said, I can't make it today. And then came home and talked with Andrea. And what had happened in me was um, just this realization, I can't keep living like this. This is dangerous. This is not a viable path. And I'm not doing anything to change it. I'm just continuing in the same exact lifestyle I've been in the last year and a half, no change in sight. This has to stop. Um, I'm either going to get hurt. I'm going to hurt somebody by hurt. I mean, like, I mean, wreck. I, I have no idea. Obviously, I don't know if there is any, obviously, but I'm thinking, how could I have such a significant chunk of miles that I don't have any memory of what I was doing, where I was at? This scared me. Yeah. I'm like, this just has to stop. Obviously, it's not healthy mentally, emotionally yeah. to be under that type of stress. And something cracked in me that day where I said enough's enough. And so it was like there was this resolve. I can't explain it, but I just knew there has to be an answer. There has to be. Mm -hmm. And I was really angry at the Lord. I was angry at myself. I was embarrassed. But it was like, I know God is good. I know his word is true. I don't understand why I am the way I am, but I am not willing to accept that this is going to be the rest of my life. I'm just not, and I'm going to figure it out. And it was like this kind of bulldog mentality came over me. Enough's enough. 
You know, I had tried medicine on three different occasions. Um, and I was a bad medicine taker. I just, that's the bottom line. I just wasn't the guy that did it right. I'd take it for six weeks and start feeling a little better and think I didn't need it anymore. I didn't like the way it made the food taste. Um, it seemed to leave a nasty taste in my mouth all day long. I don't think I ever took my script longer than six weeks. And um, bad idea. If you need to be taking medicine, do it correctly. Do it like your doctor says. Don't come off of it till your doctor gives you permission to do so. But I just was not a good medicine taker. I'm kind of a stubborn fool about that stuff sometimes. And and generally, doesn't matter what I have to say about it. This is true. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Um, especially during those states where my mind is not real pliable. But... All right, so here's, let's talk about the healing process, right? So it's one thing to make up your mind. I'm not going to live this way anymore, but how did I get to uh, the place where it really stopped dominating my life? And for me, it was this one passage that it was like, it just ate me up. And that is this passage out of Galatians chapter 5, which tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Man, at that stage in my life, I had almost nothing but self-control. And um, I didn't have love. I didn't have patience, gentleness. I just was like all of that stuff I didn't have. But here's what I knew. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I was saved. I knew that. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that the Holy Spirit lived inside of me. I knew that. So I knew that according to God, those fruits were in me somewhere. But they just weren't breaking forth out of my this hardened heart of mine. And I had to take ownership for there is a role that I play in this. And this is where the, 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 it starts to get hard for people that are dealing with depression. Because we don't want to take any ownership for our actions. I could tell you why I was depressed. I was depressed because God had me in a situation where I was having to work 50 hours a week and pastor 30 hours a week and it wasn't working and there was no way to get out of it. And I had too many employees who were trusting in me to help with jobs and I felt like I couldn't lay them off. And so I was going to be stuck in this thing forever. And, Nobody knows the pressure that I'm dealing with. And, and I had all these excuses. And I eventually had to take ownership of my own response to the life that I was in. And realize that I was making me a victim. And that I was refusing to take God at his word that these things are inside of me. It's not like the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, so long as, you know, all of your life is good. And I began to look at the life the apostles lived. It's a whole lot harder than mine was. I'm coming home every night, sleeping in my own bed with the roof over my head. I've got three meals a day. I've got people that love me. I've got a wife and children that are awesome. And yet... I'm not singing at the midnight hour like Paul and Silas shackled. And I had to start to take ownership. Quit making excuses for my stinking attitude. It was one of the most important parts of me finding healing. 
That's all the time we have for this episode of the Joplin and Andrea podcast. Thank you for listening. Before letting you go, we want to strongly encourage you if you are struggling with depression, discouragement, anxieties, and fears, and you feel like you need help now, would you please reach out and get help from somebody? If you don't have anybody to get a hold of, if there's nobody that comes to your mind when you think about who can you reach out to, would you please reach out to us? You can get a hold of us easily by simply going to joplinandandrea.com and use the contact form. Let us know what your need is and how we can get in touch with you. We would love the opportunity to help, and I promise you that we'll do everything we can to help. If you're anxious to get to the second part of this message, then stay tuned because it is up next. Next.